this week on Podcast 17. Manuel, Thomas, and William speak about this week's releases on a shorter-than-usual episode. So stay tuned to Podcast 17. Welcome to another edition of Podcast 17, where we fill you in with the latest and greatest news of Half-Life 1 releases, Half-Life 2 releases, media blitzes, Steam releases, Valve releases, Valve news, whatever. Uh, We cover it if you're interested in it. It's a Half-Life podcast. We do it all for you. Um, It's going to be a short show this week. I think we deserve a short show, but uh, more specifically... We came out late with the episode last week, and we're recording this week's early. So there wasn't really much time to set up any interviews, so there's no interviews this week. And uh, there wasn't a lot of news this week either. So I expect a short show. Maybe it'll go the normal hour and a half, but we'll see. We'll see. But before we get going, allow me to introduce the guests this week. We got Thomas, as usual. How you doing, Thomas? Um... I'm doing all right. I think I got my ass served on a midterm yesterday, but you know what? I don't care. I have a midterm today at 2 o'clock, so in four hours. Midterm on a Saturday? Yeah, that's what that's what computer science does at my university. They put midterms on Saturday so they don't um, screw up with class time. Doesn't so what suck? university do you go to? Univers- the Das, das Kriegsminster Oberfuhr University of... Saturday? <laughs> no, nah, just the University of Windsor. <laughs> but wow. it sucks, I know, and uh, I can't believe I'm still doing a podcast four hours before, because I haven't studied it all yet, and uh, that's going to be interesting. It's the only way to go. <laughs> anyway, also this week we got Emmanuel uh, returning back. A lot of people liked your appearance last week, Emmanuel. You have tiny little legs. I have tiny legs? Are you looking at the photos of me? Yeah, and wow, yeah, you were right about that thing about before. What was that? I've got a fab. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the listeners are probably so confused right now. The yeah. wax museum is really creepy, man. What were you thinking? Yeah, we we went to a wax museum. It was pretty cool. It's called Madame Tussauds. It's in the uh, Venetian. And uh, they do a lot of really cool wax museum stuff. They had like a haunted house within the wax museum, but my girlfriend didn't want to go in. And to be honest, I was quite a pussy, too. I didn't really want to go in either, so... Yeah, that that was not... Ugh. I actually went to Bellagio when I went to Vegas, and it was amazing. Actually, yeah, you got some pics of that, too. Yeah, there's a video there of the Bellagio fountain, so... Yeah, that, it's actually pretty cool. The Wax Museum, though, I don't know why you wasted your time. It's probably the creepiest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. It, here, here's one thing that I'm going to tell people if they're going to go to Vegas. Uh, if, if you're going to go to Vegas, you have to go to this place. It's called, like, Ticks for Half. If, if you're on the Strip, there's this giant pop bottle next to the M&M's place, and it's in there, and uh, there's places all over the Strip, but mainly there. And you can get literally tickets, same-day tickets or next-day tickets for half price. So when you when you land in Vegas, or when you arrive, so to speak, go to this place and just get all your tickets for half price. Um, unfortunately, it's it's all last-minute, and you have to like go by their schedule, but you, you save so much money. And that's we got Mato Tussauds tickets for half price, so it was kind of worth it. Yeah, you got you got some shots of the Venetian too. I stayed at the Venetian; it was amazing. You I loved stayed it. at the Venetian; very nice. Yeah, I got lucky. But uh, did you go to Caesar's Palace? Oh yeah, yeah. Wasn't it the most disappointing thing in your life? It was a nice casino. We won a lot of money there, actually. Oh, it was just so disappointing. But our favorite casino was probably Caesar's Palace. But uh, where do you think where oh. did you have the most fun? Stephanie's here. Uh, right Bellagio for sure, just because I love the uh, Ocean's Eleven. Plus, it was the most nicest 
place of them all, I like to think. Besides staying at the Venetian and the underground kind of canal thing they had going on. But other than that, Vegas is kind of boring. Yeah, we had the fun. Are nice. We saw Cirque du Soleil, and I love Cirque du Soleil. I don't care how gay that makes me sound. Yeah. Nah, it's too late well. anyway. <laughs> nice weather as you went, too. It only looks like World War Four or Five. <laughs> yeah, it was rainy as hell, dude. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't look too much fun. No, not really. But we had so to is this, is we, we're going to eventually have to talk about Half-Life, right? Eventually. Yeah, yeah I think okay. so. But, Sometime uh, but during before we get there, before we get there, we should mention the uh, Podcast 17 Photoshop Vacation Photos Contest. Oh, you know what? Yes. Yes. Okay, that's what we're going to say. That is a great idea, Thomas. And the reason why, and you just reminded me of this, and we'll do this in Podcast 17 News, is I have somebody who wants to give out a free copy of Half-Life 2. I think it's Half-Life 2. I don't know. It's some Valve game. I'm pretty sure it's Half-Life 2. And uh, we need a contest. So what we're going to do is, for all the listeners out there, you have to Photoshop my Vegas photos. And uh, the best Photoshop will win a copy of Half-Life 2. How's that? Yes. And they all the eighteen all the adult rated ones can be sent immediately to myself and Emmanuel's email box for uh, judging. <laughs> I have to ask why Half Life Two? Why not something that the people listening to this podcast will not have? Well, I know it sucks, but listen, my friend, I have my friend on Twitter. I'm following him on Twitter, and he's like, "Hey, does anybody want a free copy of Half Life 2? And then I messaged him. I was like, "Hey, that'd be really great if we could have that on Podcast Seventeen as a as a you know as a prize so listen this is what we'll do it's probably some account that you can give to somebody i don't know if can you exchange games on steam i don't know if you can do that i think it's just you have to send it it can only be gifted to one person i don't think it can be gifted twice right so i think what the point is is it's gonna be like an account so chances are people listening to this podcast already have half-life 2 but if you have a friend maybe that you want to get into half-life 2 or half-life 1 um, what we're going to do is we'll give you the account, most likely, and you can just log in and change all the login information to your willing, and uh, you can give it to a friend if you have somebody who wants to get into the franchise or something like that. So it's kind of like a give and a give. But the idea of the podcast is um, Photoshop My Vegas Photos. And, hmm, how can we get this sent? You can send them so long as they're safe for work. Well, except not safe for work ones too, so don't worry. Um, so long as they're safe for work, you can post them on the uh, podcast show or show notes in the uh, comment section at www.podcast17.com, and uh, you just comment on this podcast or any other podcast. We watch them all. Or if they're not safe for work, or alternatively, you can send them to feedback at podcast17.com, and all this information will be in this week's show notes, so you can grab it um, at www.podcast17.com. And you can win yourself a copy of Half-Life 2. Thank you, Thomas, for reminding right. me. Right. So let's let's say that we'll run the contest for two weeks. Sounds good. Sounds good. So that, that'll give uh, plenty enough time for all those people that, you know, might have a tight schedule to uh, Photoshop the pictures, and it gives two solid weeks for your old girlfriend to shit her pants in fear of what might be done to her face. Right. Right. So we'll see. <laughs> I'm sorry, by the way. She she can't hear you, but uh, I'll tell her. Thomas, She'll Thomas find says out later. sorry because people are going to Photoshop your face a lot, I think. I know. She, she says she knows, so it's for the good of mankind. She's ready for the penises. <laughs> <laughs>
It's only because she's good I was looking. thinking tentacles, but sure. Penises, <laughs> Whoa, <right>. Tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, for the listeners that don't know, whatever William says out loud, I'm pretty sure she can hear. Yeah, she can hear us say uh, whatever I say. Um, so anyway, uh, that should be good. That should be a good contest. So there you go. Podcast 17 news. We have something in there. Exactly. Okay, so I'm uh, moving right along, straight from the mouth of Valve. And uh, first thing that we saw is uh, from this week was the Left 4 Dead tutorial for the SDKs. And uh, we actually mentioned this in an earlier episode. Somebody was emailing, um, uh, what's his name, Chet. And uh, he was asking, so is the SDK tutorials taking a while? And Chet actually said, no, the SDK tutorials are perfectly fine and ready to ship. And uh, through that, he actually shipped them. So you can download the level design documents um, from the post that we uh, that we have in our show notes. And uh, they're pretty big, I think. Oh, no, wait, that link doesn't... Oh, no, that link does work. You actually... If you go to the site, you actually have to modify the URL a little bit. Um, I'm sure anybody with half a brain can figure it out. But it's 35 megs of uh, design docs. So that's pretty awesome. And my phone's ringing. That sucks. I lost it. Fail. This is what you get for having a terrible podcast leader, owner. All right, I'm back, sorry. Um, so anyway, we you can, can download... replace him. What's that? We're going to replace you. You're gonna re- you can't replace me. I am the... Yeah, uh, we're going to uh, get Nick a uh, voice box. <laughs> Nick is actually having a you. lot of problems with, uh, with his computer right now, unfortunately. That's why he's not in the call. Oh, poor mm, Nick. It's a sad My heart story. goes out to you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, that's the Left 4 Dead uh, SDK documentation. You can check it out and uh, download it. If you're, if you're developing a Left 4 Dead mod or waiting for the SDK, definitely pick it up and uh, download it. Like I said, it's 35 megs. It's definitely worth a look. So that's that. Next on our list is the uh, Survival Pack Explained. And this is another thing. Somebody had an interview with Chet. Um, I, can't, I don't know who. Xbox Magazine. Xbox Magazine had an interview with Chet, and uh, he talks about what is going to be included in the Left 4 Dead custom content, and uh, that includes, obviously, the survival mode. Um, survival mode places the four survivors on an empty map, then they have the chance to prepare themselves for the endless wave upon wave of infected that will surround them. Once prepared and ready for action, a simple button is pressed, so the battle begins. Um, so during the battle, you're obviously fought against, or you're put up against uh, all the big bosses of Left 4 Dead, and I believe, like, you can't, you can't win. Does anybody else, can anybody else confirm that? I don't know. Like, it just goes on forever. Mm. I don't probably? Know. Yeah, probably. Because, I mean, the banner says, the last stand, um, it doesn't end well. I'm assuming, like, it just plays out till you die. Which is fine. And then they also have uh, the Lighthouse survival mode gameplay, and the Lighthouse is going to be a new map, right? Yeah, a new survival map will also be shipped, dubbed The Last Stand. Um, and they have some gameplay videos, so check it out. It's going to be cool. The new survival gameplay mode for Left 4 Dead. Awesome. And uh, last on our Street from the Mouth Valve, that's going to be the Steam update. If you guys noticed, there was a Steam update, and uh, it's obviously already pushed to your systems. Uh, a couple fix fixes, and the big, most notable fix for me was the... Uh, Fixed Half-Life 2 hanging on shutdown. Have you guys ever had it where Half-Life 2 hangs on shutdown and it's just like sitting there in the process? 
but it's actually closed. Yeah, I've had problem. that happen like once or twice, but not too many times. Yeah, I don't know why. No, I don't get that. I get the annoying bug where if you try to stop the opening video, it freezes, but that's it. Really? Hmm. Yep. I don't know why, but I must. I got this bug a whole bunch, and ever since the update, I haven't got it. So I'm happy. Very much so. Um, a couple other updates. Uh, fixed problems where Steam would get stuck with the download starting when trying to download things. Localization issues. Um, fixing the launching game dialogue, waiting for user input. Um, and several Steamworks fixes, which is a big one for people who want to um, pump out to Steamworks. So that's, that's a pretty good Steam update. So it's good to see that they're uh, still going strong with that sort of stuff. Anyway, now over to the release list. Uh, no portal releases this week, from what I can tell. So, womp, womp, womp. That's okay. I, I probably wouldn't have played it anyway. And Left 4 Dead releases is uh, Brain for Dead Suburb. And uh, this is a map that I pulled off of FP, FPS Banana. Um, it's just a simple campaign called Brain for Dead Suburb. There's not much to it, from what I can tell. Uh I don't know what's the what's rating going on here right now. Nine point three out of ten user rating. That's pretty good actually on uh, FPS Banana. There's a lot of comments, so if you're interested in uh, Left 4 Dead and you like these custom campaigns, check out Brain for Dead. Um, we always keep you up to date with the new campaigns that are up there. Not official yet. Does, that have, does it have anything to do with uh, Brain Bread? Oh, I don't think so. I doubt okay. it. What was Brain Bread? I forget now. Wasn't that a mod? Awesome Half-Life 1 mod about yeah. zombies where yeah, you do nothing but just get headshot after headshot after headshot. It was pretty uh, bloody and fun yeah, and epic. Yeah, I remember that. That was cool. That was a cool mod. Those were back in the days when like uh, Half-Life 1 mods were few and far between and you would just like jump on any new mod that came out and you just play it to crap. Yeah, but it was, no matter what it was, it was actually it was actually really really well done too. It wasn't half-assed. Yeah, oh, no, I know, I know. I'm not saying it was. I'm just saying like there were so yeah. few Half-Life One mods that everybody just played the newest and greatest. So anyway, um, that's the Left 4 Dead releases. Like I said, not a lot. And uh, now we can move on to the release list. And first thing on the release list is uh, City, and I actually got to play this. And ironically, um, myself and Emmanuel had the same problem because when you start this game. Um, Ooh, big thunder. Can you guys hear my the thunder in my house? A little bit. Yeah, it's raining pretty bad. Anyway, um, when you start the game, you can actually trigger, and I'm going to warn all the players out there, you can trigger slow motion mode with your mouse wheel, but they don't tell you you can trigger slow motion mode. Yeah. It's not so much a problem as much as it is they forgot to tell you. Yeah, and I played through 80% of this mod in slow motion thinking you can't turn it off. And then finally, when you get th get like to the last 10 minutes of this mod, it's like, oh, by the way, you can trigger slow motion with the mouse wheel. And I'm like, you've got to be shitting me. So I finally turned it off, and I was like, so I just played through that entire mod slow motion for nothing. I mean... Yep, I must have wasted 20 minutes of my life because of it. Yeah. I mean, the slow motion was cool, though. Did you, didn't you think? Like, I, I liked how you could turn on slow motion. No? No. Yeah, definitely no. You didn't like I, it? I could understand if it gave you extra speed or some special ability, but the extent of its usability was it slowed everything down. That was it. So essentially, if you were retarded, it let you play the game as if you were not retarded. You're so, right. 
and I'm not retarded, so it was kind of annoying. I never used it. Yeah, I never, I never used it either. Actually, there was a part where it's like you should use slow motion here, and I didn't use it, and it was harder to use slow motion than it was to not use slow motion. Um, but you're right; it would be really cool if everything slowed down, but you didn't. Like your reflexes enhanced. I don't know, like Max Payne did, or Time Shift, or any other successful game that executed it. Right. Exactly. But uh, the mod is very passive. Um, I actually beat it just before we started the podcast. It's only two maps, but uh, there's no shooting. It's all mainly uh, puzzle-based stuff and jumping puzzles. Nothing too crazy. You're not going to get stuck in this game. But uh, it has kind of a storyline. I'm not going to ruin it for anybody who wants to play it. I would suggest playing it. Um, Phil on Planet Philip gave it a 5 out of 5, which I think is a little bit high. I'd probably give it a three because it's not really refined yet. Emmanuel, what would you give it? I would give it a um, 553 over 64. That's a lot. Thousand? Oh, 64,000. Okay. I don't know. So uh, you know my you don't know my policy on uh, yeah. Never mind. Anyways, no, it's there was a, there was a few moments when it was very 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 creepy, and it probably didn't even mean to be. It was just it just seemed creepy. It was kind of odd. Maybe it's just because I'm a pansy, but. There's a few moments where it really caught me off guard, the how immersive it was. But beyond that, I mean, I don't really like puzzles, so it wasn't my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was pretty good. You have a good point though, there um, that I wanted to mention. It was immersive in the sense that it was atmospheric. It kind of followed the storyline that everybody's in this cryostasis sleep, and the rest of the world is just kind of empty. And that's what it felt empty, you know what I mean? It felt like you were all alone in this area, and that's why I felt it was kind of a little bit creepy. Yeah, I mean, there was this one um, part of the map where it, it got really dark, and you were just kind of thrown into it, and uh, there was this n- noise coming from uh, from the other side of the room, and you had no idea what it was, and it was repetitive, mm-hmm. and it was just kind of... It was very you find out what it is later. Yeah, and you spend the whole entire game not seeing a single mob, so you think, oh, well, what the fuck? Yeah, there's going to be something behind this door or something. Yeah, I'm not going to ruin it, so... Mm-hmm. That's so that's uh that's city. Um, play it if you're interested in that sort of stuff. Go buy our review. Anyway, um, the next thing on our release list is the real one and real two. Now this was actually released in 2002, but uh, like I said, Planet Philip posted it, so that's when I usually get to play things that I missed previously, and I don't think anybody here has played this. Um, I played it. No, I mean like played it previously, other than this week. I played it. Before? Oh. Yep. Okay. Well, you played it previously and this week so uh tell us what you thought um well planet philip gave it a i think four stars yeah i have no idea where he got those four stars from like if even if even a kindergarten project where you hand out stars arbitrarily for writing your name in the right place (laughs) would get more stars than this (laughs) and i i'm i know i'm being a little harsh but there's legitimate reasons but Let's let's start from the top and work our way down. Okay. Um, the biggest thing that a lot of people have a trouble with is that the game is incredibly hard. Now, it's not hard due to any skill set. There's no learning curve. There's nothing that's incredibly difficult. Is that the head crabs do like 150 damage when they attack you? They're sped up so they can find you in the map faster, and some of them can actually blind you for like a good 30 seconds by making your screen go a solid color when they attack you if they don't immediately kill you. Interesting. So, all of a sudden, your weakest enemy 
is can kill you in one hit. <laughs> so that's really frustrating because it involves absolutely no skill whatsoever than other than being able to run away and not actually fight them because you know that if you take one hit you're done so you want to avoid essentially every single battle making all the weapons that you collect completely useless because you'd much rather run around the enemies mm -hmm. now a problem with the weapons is that and this is kind of it's not really a problem, but it ruins the the, uh, the the atmosphere for me, is that when I pull out different weapons that are taken from different games and the hands change, like there's no hand consistency, there's no sprite consistency, it's very much um, put together with chewing gum and tape. Like, you have the opposing force knife with the opposing force hands, and then you have the default shotgun with the default hands, and then you've got a whole bunch of Counter-Strike weapons with Counter-Strike hands. Actually, I think the shotgun's from... It looks like it's from Natural Selection or something. Ah, that's one of the shotguns. There's, like, two. Oh, there's two. Oh, okay, I didn't know there's two There's, shotguns. like, one that looks more like a flamethrower than a shotgun, yeah. and then there's the shotgun shotgun. Mm -hmm. But... No, the game is incredibly hard and for all the wrong reasons. Like I said, you take immense amounts of damage and you die easily. So that just means that you're going to run around fights as opposed to risk getting killed. Moving on to the map design. <laughs> it makes no sense whatsoever. Like, you've got rooms that make sense on their own, but then you don't go through a door to the next room that might be connected. You actually go through this vent or hole in the wall. And some of them just have holes in the wall. I'm not even kidding, there's just a, an arbitrary hole in the wall that's vent-sized that you crawl through, and you'll be like in a, a drainage ditch underneath uh, a grating, a, walk, a walkway grating. And you'll get underneath this grating, you'll find one of these arbitrary hole-in-walls, or I like to call them the, um, uh, what would be a good term for these? The plot the advancement point. Oh. <laughs> or the plot advancement portal, and you walk through this, and all of a sudden I'm in like a, an alien zen chamber where not more than 25 feet ago I was in like some kind of industrial complex, and there's no explanation why. I have no idea what's going on. Mm -hmm. So, why, again, why it got four stars, I have absolutely no idea. Right. And one thing, one thing that you said you're addressing the difficulty. Now, just to let people know, um, there's a skill.config that's available from Planet Phillips website, and uh, they warn that the mod is insanely hard. Um, but you can download this skill.cfg that makes it a little bit easier to deal with. So, um, just to let you to let you know. And then another note is uh, the training room contains the real one. So. The first version, or the first point, I don't know, did you play the training room at all? No, I didn't. No. I was like, eh, I'll just, you know, do the do the, the latest, and I was mm -hmm. hoping that the latest would be the greatest, and that didn't turn out to be the case. Right, so so if you want to play through the whole series, you have to first play the training room, and right. then you play, um, you know, easy, normal, hard, that's how Half-Life works. Um, yeah. But you can download a skill.config to make it easier, um, but You know what makes it even easier, though? Not playing it. <laughs> no, God mode. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. But Did even you cheat a lot was... in this game? Are you kidding? Like, check out all the screenshots that Planet Phillip. He cheated through ninety percent. All his health is at a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the one of the like, you really have to cheat to be able to play this and get a shred of enjoyment out of it because you'll be dying 
like every single time you encounter an enemy almost like because mm -hmm. they're cheap kills like you'll open a door and all of a sudden that scripted head crab will jump out at you and kill you as soon as you open the door if you don't open oh. the door and run away yeah that's which never is, fun yeah which is really lame like i don't like that's fine if they don't kill me in one hit but when they kill me in one hit it's like punishing me for going through the door and playing the game mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sure. now with regards to the skill config this will be my final point is that yeah i could i could go and install that uh skill config but if it's not included with the game as a reviewer, especially on a you know a tight schedule, I don't have time to make a mod work. It either needs to come working or it's going to suffer for it. Mm -hmm. And that, that being sense. said, even playing with God mode on, or even playing with the dumbed down skill config, you still have these enemies like the zombies. When they hit you, your screen will turn red for like a good 25 seconds, and you're blind. You cannot see anything. And then there's certain head crabs that are like, you know blue recolors that when they hit you your screen goes blue and you suffer frost damage for like 30 seconds and that's so annoying because it's like okay you've been hit put put down your mouse and keyboard go make a sandwich because you can't see for a good 30 seconds hmm well that's not good it's annoying anyway emmanuel did you play this i saw that nope. you jumped in real quick but you must have just turned it off no it was a it was a trick <laughs> it's a trick <laughs> yep i, I loaded it, it up I loaded it up and it wouldn't put me inside of the game. It I was just looking at the game box. Yeah. As in there was a map and I was looking at it as if I was God, but I could not play it. Interesting. Well, you're it probably just said Emmanuel, you're too good for this game. You, you yeah. just shouldn't waste your time. Cut the four play, get straight to it. My kind of game. <laughs> so anyway, that's uh, the real. Very good review, Thomas. Good job. Thank you. No problem. Um, next on our list is something that I actually found this morning. So uh, refresh your agendas. Uh, it's called Deja Voodoo, and it looks really cool. It's coming from the Guildhall students, and we talk about their projects a lot. They do a lot of individual projects and team projects um, based on level design and uh, education in level design. And uh, this one is called Deja Voodoo, and none of us have played it. But uh, it looks pretty cool. It's You're trapped in a mansion with voodoo spirits. Must uncover the mysteries hidden in the surroundings. Deja Voodoo is developed in a five-month period, blah, 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 blah. Um, so the idea is you're playing in this mansion, and this mansion has kind of two different versions. And if anybody's seen Coraline, that's what it kind of reminds me of, where you have a house, and then you go through this portal, and the house is totally changed and, like, wrecked up in a different dimension. So it's the exact same area, only portrayed differently it looks really cool and the level design looks awesome based on these screenshots i am going to play this today after the podcast because i'm excited to play i love the guild hall stuff it's really different when they when they release things and they have a little trailer there too so you can watch the trailer yeah i think this should definitely be a follow-up for next mm -hmm. week mm -hmm. now Emmanuel, you sighed why uh i do you want to get into it yeah, yeah let's I'd... get into it I don't respect people who study game design. Really? Why? Because it's it's a field in which you should probably prob which is best learned by by doing. I mean, with all the models out there and everything. I mean, look at Valve's um, Valve. The entirety of Valve. I think I'm pretty sure most of them have gotten their jobs just from experience they've done on themselves, done with through themselves. So anyone who has to go and have someone tell them how to make a map. Or make a, maybe modeling I can understand because it's pretty intricate, but mapping and 
story design and all that stuff, I think is better off just teaching yourself. And you end up learning better too, I think. But that's just me. I think there's some truth in that. But uh, because every every mod I've played from a guild hall design studios thing or any of the game design colleges or whatever ends mm -hmm. up being really 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 boring, and that's just what I've noticed. I, I guess the only exception here is Portal, but I'm sure they were not just talented before that, and they just happened to exceed because they were talented before that and they were just honing their skills. Mm -hmm. The things that I noticed from Guildhall, and I agree with you in some aspects and I disagree with some on others, because, I mean, they are working on things, right? They're obviously working on this, and you say they learn by doing. I mean, they're releasing things like this. But the things that these Guildhalls usually release are uh, usually tech demos showing off, like, certain concepts or certain skills that they've picked up or along the way or something. So. Yeah. I mean, I can't judge it unless I see it, but I'm pretty sure it's just going to be a pile of garbage. Mm -hmm. Well, I like this sort of stuff. So, so maybe uh, Thomas and I can play it, and you can just listen to us talk next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm gonna be right though. Yeah. Sorry. No, that's okay. Anyway, moving on. That is the end of the release list. Like I said, not a lot of releases um, this week. Um, but regardless, some some pretty good stuff. I mean, if if you're interested to play the city, apparently don't play the real. It's too hard. And Deja Voodoo looks cool. So. Uh, Onto the media blitz, and the first thing in our media blitz is uh, a wonderful form member of ours, um, Psy, P-S-Y, posted on Interlopers um, his makings and origins of a full TF2 map, and usually I don't talk about things like this, but uh, he talks for a pretty long time about, uh, you know, his, his workings and how he, he goes from point A to point B and start to finish about building his map and uh, the different releases, and all the things that were involved, and, you know, the steps that he kind of takes. And then he finally has a trailer and everything, and lots of screenshots. So, check it out. It's a really good read for uh, those who do, you know, level design or environmental design. And, uh, you know, you can maybe learn a couple things about how somebody else maps. I mean, everybody, I'm assuming everybody maps in their own different ways, but, uh, you know, it's interesting to take things from other people certain skills and certain habits so anyway did you guys take a look at this or even just peruse it i love interlopers yeah everybody loves interlopers it's a great site um is this just me or does everything look better in tf2 i think it does it's just all very cartoony and crisp it's just the engine was made for it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it looks very very good it, it looks almost pre-rendered 3d studio max stuff yeah yeah i would agree I mean, uh, if, if, if people remember, Sai actually posted this map. Uh, he released it a while ago, and he posted it in our forums. Um, well, on the Podcast 17 forums and now on the HLC forums. But uh, now he finally has a full rundown of everything. It's very cool. I like you said, I love interlopers. Um, they're such a nice community, and they're so polite and professional. You know, and this is actually, I like these um... This kind of the following of a map. It's kind of like a uh, behind the behind the uh, band or whatever they used to do in MTV. Behind the it's music. It's kind of cool to see, yeah, behind the music how it all evolves out, and it's actually pretty cool um, for people who map. It's great because they can learn little tricks as they as, and by watching people as they go along, and it's pretty cool. And, and plus, if you're a fan of something, it's nice to to learn about it. That's true. And I, I mean, yeah, if you really like the map or if you follow TF2 maps and stuff. But <laughs> sorry. I, I, but of course, you have the problem of uh, 
who gives a shit? Sorry. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's true, but the developers give a shit, I think. The people on... Yeah, this is purely for developers. If you're mm-hmm. listening to this podcast and you don't mess with the SDK, then this is not really interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, he, he puts in a lot of points and tips for uh, people who are starting out and people who are working on maps. And they're really good tips and really good thoughts. Um, he pretty much summarizes the the cardinal rules of map design said by a lot of people so um it's a good it's a good post it, it teaches you more than just you know how he made his map so anyway that was the first thing this week on the media blitz and uh next is something that has taken this week by storm um i actually downloaded it and watched it in its 15 minutes of glory and of course that's uh left for head oh here are gonna the, be in uh, shit from your girlfriend <laughs> The, she doesn't care. She knows I watched it. I told her all about it. Um, <laughs> um, that is, of course, the uh, Left for Dead porno that is released, and uh, it's what it's interesting. Yeah. Where, where do I find this? I um Google. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I looked for it. I'm not. I'll I'll tell you where to get it later. But uh, I can't. Yeah, I can't not, say we're online. We're not gonna say but, on the show, of course. Yeah. Is it live action? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's oh shit! People. It is. <laughs> so, because Emmanuel watches it right now, <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna have to fap um, twice this pod- podcast. Let me just give you a rundown on uh, what oh, this can is. Can I do about. it? What's that? Can I do it? Oh yeah! Did you watch it? Oh yeah! Oh okay. Well, go for it. <laughs> Remember, I sent you the message in Google Chat. I'm like, dude, look at this. Yeah, no, but I didn't know you watched it. I well, you just... I, we would have to if we were going to talk about it. <laughs> That's how I felt. First off, okay. before you start, I just want to say I did not get aroused one bit during this entire movie. Sure. That's very okay. good. You don't have to prove anything, William. It's okay. No, no, no. It's just... It's... Yeah, we'll get into it. Yeah. Okay, go for it, Thomas. Okay. So, here, here's the premise. Um, if you haven't figured it out, uh, when Left for Dead and Valve team, whatever, decided to put a female college student in the game... Everyone on the internet at the same time picked up their pens and started drawing in their notebooks with extra-sized boobs like Tifa on Final Fantasy VII. Now, this is fine when it stays in the cartoon realm of your, you know, your animes and your sketches and stuff like that. But when a studio picks it up and actually makes it into a live-action 15-minute segment uh, featuring uh, a live-action character um, forced to do an objective on a phallic <laughs> and uh, that, that should narrow down the audience to understand what I just said or they look at dictionary.com but anyway essentially um, I'll just kind of I guess I'll just say what happens in it yeah, while being PG of course um, it starts off with Zoe uh, getting separated from everyone of course because it's you know she needs to be taken advantage of mm-hmm. and she's walking around this you know kind of shitty area if i had to guess it's probably downtown los angeles <laughs> um but you know there's like wrecked cars and everything uh the only problem with this is that there's a shot in the background where you see the highway and this like endless line of cars and their headlights driving by that kind of ruins it <laughs> Um, but she starts to do, uh, room clearing in this one building where we get... It's obviously, like, the director's apartment or something. Yeah, 
Like, clearly. Not even the director's department's probably hers. Because, <laughs> like, this is this is low budget at its finest. She's got uh, two junk guns and a crappy backpack, and she's going through the and killing these zombies. And they didn't even put, like, makeup on zombies. They just put, like, rubber masks on people. So you know this is, like, very studio-designed. You know, veterans will know what I'm saying by that. I think I think one was actually wearing a werewolf mask. Yeah, which didn't I think make so. much sense to me. <laughs> they were like, "Wait, what?" But uh, no. And before we hit the main event, a I guess they're they're called smokers, right? The ones with yep. the yep. Yeah. Now, who whose idea at Valve was to put a smoker and a college girl in the same game? Obviously, was thinking what Emmanuel was thinking earlier. <laughs> <laughs> tentacles anyway um as you can imagine now that i've just said that we get this little kind of um pre pre-show pre you know pre-show scene before the puck drops if you will where uh these smoker phallics take advantage of her in probably the worst reverse motion action you know acting i've ever seen in my life mm-hmm. like oh you know it's just the, the effect is terrible. They should have, like, photoshopped them in or something because it's like you can see the strings that they're trying to control these things with. And, yeah, it's not working out so good. And uh, It's $14? Is it? Well, you had to pay for I it? I think. Yeah. Anyway. They're selling it on the internet. <laughs> oh, I don't know who would buy this. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. she's she's able to dispatch the multi-phallic enemy... And then she gets stalked by this one zombie that's apparently smarter than the rest of them. It's that's... a hunter. It's supposed to be a hunter. That's okay. what you're supposed to get out of it. All right. Haven't played Left 4 Dead that much, so, you know, okay. Williams, Williams, our Left 4 Head expert here. <laughs> and uh, I know that it, this was one of his favorite movies of all time, and he'll probably be uh, <laughs> reenacting this later. But um, she gets trapped in this room where she uh, gets attacked, surpri- uh, surprise attacked by this um, hunter. And for whatever reason, she's able to lose all of her clothes, not shoot her guns or fight off anything at all. And uh, yeah, left forehead, need I say more? Yeah. But apparently, it's a, it's for- you know, she doesn't try to defend herself. She doesn't even bite down or anything to... <laughs> try to deter this thing it's just the worst bite, bite down on what what could you be talking about <laughs> it's the worst acting ever she's able to lose all her garments and uh, it's not a good day to be a gamer when you see something like this no it, and and as thomas says it's not good acting but most pornos aren't good acting but this is just bad. horrendous yeah bad it's bad. not even on the porno level like it's bad it's really bad yeah and uh i'm keeping in mind that this is a porn this isn't like a triple a title this isn't like a mainstream title with real actors it's bad for even being a b movie like it's so horrible uh let's see what else was there that was... i wonder how much longer we can go on about left for head <laughs> that's about it that's really it yeah i think i summed it up yeah the oral scene goes on for like 10 minutes i i just you know, scrubbed through it, and I'm like, wow, this is still going through, going on, so. Well, I guess if you're a zombie, it takes longer. Yeah, maybe. 
Anyway, that's enough for Left 4 Head. The porno's out. If you're really that into Left 4 Dead, you can buy it for $15 as a van. Where can you buy it, Emmanuel? Where do, where do they have the website? I don't know. Just Google it. Okay. I just clicked off the site as soon as I could. Yeah, but okay. keep in mind that the, the rest of us saw this for no charge, so if you're savvy enough, I'm sure you can find it. And this is also a time where we would like to say that we do not uh, encourage or support the uh, underage viewing of pornographic materials. So, <laughs> parents, if you catch your kid watching this and they say, Oh, the Podcast 17 man told me to see it. Uh, we didn't. Uh, take, a, take better care of your kids. Put them on leashes or shock collars or whatever you need to do. Uh, you know, Flintstones <laughs> vitamins work great. But uh, I took Flintstone don't don't send us hate mail because you can't take care of your kid. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's the disclaimer. Credit <laughs> credit where it's due. They actually took the time to go out to like an abandoned site and do all the pre gaming. I, I don't know. It's I haven't seen the whole thing, but I've seen a screenshot. So mm-hmm. looks like they put some time into it. Maybe this is an actual company who's doing it, or it's just amateur. Who knows. But I think we should move on because yeah, uh, enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's about enough. It's enough talking about porno. Um, yeah. All right. So next on the list, the media blitz is the Fistful of Frags co-op video, and uh, this is actually pretty cool because in 2.5, um, which the release date is announced, Thursday, March 12th, um, beta 2.5 will be released, and it includes um, many new, many gameplay ma- changes to the team modes, new weapons, new, uh, new animations. Uh, more speed in general, as they say, because a lot of people criticize this game for being a little bit too slow. Um, but also, it includes the co-op mode, and this looks really cool. The video's here. You can check it out. Um, you can co-op with a friend, or you can co-op uh, with a bot, from what I understand. I could be wrong there. Um, but it looks pretty cool. Uh, Fistful of Frags 2.5 is going to be a good release because it has co-op. So check it out. Watch the video. And, uh, oh, and before I say that, make sure you upgrade your Flash player. There's a new version of Flash, and a uh, huge exploit in Flash. So if you're running at Flash right now, update, because there's a big, big virus slash exploit going around. It's just FYI on that. So anyway, um, next on the list is Shift After Hours Racing, and uh, this is kind of a summation post. Um this isn't any really new media, so to speak, but they made a whole big news post um, based on all their current content. And this is called their news update number one. And uh, I guess they're coming back in full swing. And they even have a table of contents at the top of the news post. That's how long this thing is. Yeah. So uh, they got a whole bunch of stuff. This this actually looks like a pretty good racing mod. We don't have a racing mod yet for Half-Life 2. and uh, Well, I think we do, but... Uh, but it's not too good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's going to be bad. This this mod, you think? Yeah. Why do you Cause say that? Because the, they've only got one piece of media, and it's the sound of an engine. So, yeah, but they got some screenshots of renders and stuff. And, yeah, uh, but... Some in-game shots. Renders of maps. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I would be sketchy to pass judgment on this, and... If it goes the way like my, most racing games do, which is the same as every other racing game since the very first one, whichever one that was, probably on the Atari, mm-hmm. then I won't play it. 
it doesn't matter how good essentially it is. what they did was they got really excited and decided hey let's uh let's do the video like and get this thing going this weekend right now and they spent a weekend doing it and this is all they have and they're probably gonna get bored of it mm-hmm. in three or four hours so i would just forget about it mm-hmm. well anyway it's out there check out the media if you're into this racing stuff but uh but that's that. Now, next on our agenda is topic of the week, and uh, finally, and I'm I'm happy this is over with. So I can imagine how how happy Mod DB is that this is over with. But Mod of the Year is finally done, and wow, did it ever drag on this year. Um, but honorable mentions first off, because the way they do it is, uh, um. If a mod has placed higher in previous Mod of the Year awards, they are no, not included in this year's Mod of the Year. So some honorable mentions, of course, is Insurgency, uh, Sven Co-op, Empires, Forgotten Hope 2, and Dystopia. So those are some honorable mentions that aren't listed. So keep in mind, they did really good, um, but unfortunately they just placed higher previously, so um, they give other mods a chance, which is which is good. It's valiant of them. Um, but clocking at number 10... Um, and I'll only go for the Half-Life stuff, so I'm going to skip over some numbers. Um, number 10, Half-Life 2 Wars, and that's, of course, the uh, the Half-Life 2 RTS that you can play. Very cool. Yeah, it's a pretty cool mod. Uh, very, very, very unique. Um, number 8 is Age of Chivalry, and we interviewed them. They're huge right now, so very well-deserved. That's that medieval kind of uh, close-quarters combat mm-hmm. game. Number seven is Eternal Silence, and we talk about that a lot as well. And you love it, Emmanuel, and so yes. I think that's a good number. Um, that's that uh, space warfare. Number six is Pirate Vikings and Knights 2, another kind of Age of Chivalry clone, but a little bit faster. Um, a lot of people like this because it's a faster game. Number five is Zombie Master, and uh, this is uh, kind of another RTS first-person shooter. Oh, dealing with, how uh, the hell did that do better than... Eternal Silence, Rage of Chivalry. All about the votes, Emmanuel. All about the votes. Um, but anyway, uh, another RTS first-person game based on zombies. Um, Portal Prelude comes in at number three. And of course, that's the big Portal mod that everybody loves. If you're a Portal fan, you've played it and you love it, guaranteed. Um, number two is Zombie Panic Source. And uh, they just released a new version and they keep upgrading very nicely, actually. Um... A lot of new stuff in their newest version. That's, of course, the barricade system and uh, very good zombie playing. And finally, number one, the winner, is Project Reality for Battlefield 2. I know I said only Half-Life stuff, but I have to say the winner. Um, In my opinion, the best Battlefield 2 mod and way better than Battlefield 2. And I follow some of the Project Reality guys on Twitter, and uh, they were just so ecstatic. They were thanking everybody. It was just crazy how much, you know, activity they were posting. Um when this one so anyway that is the mod of the year and uh yeah it'd be great if you know the game that the mod of the year ran on actually worked that'd be fun that way people could play it what do you mean battlefield 2 doesn't work oh oh what do you mean it doesn't work it it doesn't work on your computer it works for me what do you mean? and any computer no <laughs> if you if you say it works and you're lying i've tried it on three different computers and it used to work when i first bought it but Apparently, EA um, makes you, I don't know, <clears throat> pay for functionality or something now. Maybe you have to pay monthly to have it work past the first year, but it just doesn't work. Oh, I can't get it to work on my computers. Me. I can't get it to work on anyone else's. And when it does work, it barely works. 
And even, you know what, if, actually it's better that it doesn't, because if it did, then you'd have to go through the authentication, remembering your password and username, then getting all the updates, all 800 megabytes of them, and then downloading the mod, which is another 9,000 megabytes. Yeah, project reality is actually pretty big. So, yeah. But anyway, um, project reality one, congratulations <clears throat> to them. I think it's well-deserved. Um, unfortunately, you have some problems with Battlefield 2, but uh, sure. I think you you should no, really try The it. entirety of the human existence has problems with half i mean uh <laughs> battlefield 2 emmanuel you're gonna run into problems when you try and run battlefield 2 on your 433 <laughs> yeah well I, I tried it on my dual core and it didn't work so what was it like a dual core cella junk no it was a dual core intella junk <laughs> something or uh. other. i don't know but it played far cry so the point is for uh, screw it is it out for uh, 2142? Or are they ever going to do it for 2142? Because the engine's better. Uh, I, I, you know, they're, they're going for the whole Project Reality feel, so, I mean, 2142 isn't really reality. It's more of a future thing. No one thing. plays it! <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I doubt it. They're, they're you know, I, don't so mind, I don't mind submitting the, uh, the top position to, uh, to a Battlefield mod, because Desert Combat, hands down, was one of the most fun mods that I ever played. So. Yeah. You know what? I think mod of the year, um, with all its hiccups this year, it went really well, and I think the final list is a really good list. Um, Ma- I think. You know, forgetting the fact that <clears throat> that uh, Neo Tokyo wasn't even on it, but well, sure. But we already talked about that. So anyway, moving on to our very last bit this week in listener audio question. We actually forgot uh, Jeff's listener audio question last week, and uh, he wrote us a nice little book. Uh, so I'm just going to read it off in paragraphs. Hopefully he structured it so that it's, we can answer per paragraph because it's pretty long. Um, we'll try to blitz through this a little bit quickly though. So he says, hello all. Okay. So I have a good idea of how the hammer editor works. I've tinkered with level design off and on for quite a few years, pulled off official maps, read all sorts of tutorials, books, and websites about level design. Uh, but sometimes the process of creating a level from an idea and some sketches can be slow and frustrating. Maybe everyone at Podcast 17 is a pro at mapping, etc., but I'd like to ask some more basic questions about the process and theory behind making a fun map. So allow me to be a noob here and pick your collective brains about things you all might take for granted. So here's when the question starts. How do you approach level design knowing that you will have to create intentional boundaries to a limited size world? So that's the first question. I guess we can pick that one apart. So basically he's asking, uh, how do you approach limitations when you're when you're mapping and it's easy how's that don't <clears throat> well first of all you should never ever 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 make invisible walls that's <laughs> one of the no-nos absolute no-nos so it depends if you're in a dystopian post-apocalyptic world it's really easy you just fill everything with crap like oh you can't go through this door because there's a car in front of it or no you cannot go through this hallway because there's it's full of sharp things it's that's easy but Making it so seem genuine is, I guess, is the difficult part, which I guess is very difficult in a non-post-apocalyptic world, in a game like uh, Insurgency, or, uh, well, you you get the point. Mm-hmm. But um, in those situations, you just you just have to um, go with the, the the theory. I mean, not the theory, but the uh, the theme of the game. So if it's a if it's a war game, then obviously you're gonna have rubble and stuff laying around. So it's self-explanatory. Just blocks off, block stuff off like that, 
or try and focus your gameplay towards one point of the map. If you're doing single player, you can't help it. It's just going to be that way. But if you're playing multiplayer, if you focus everything towards the center of a map, like, um, for instance, take uh, D-Dust. Um, you know how everything goes towards the center there in the CT area? Mm-hmm. They don't have to close off walls and, and doors and stuff because everyone's going to the same spot. Whereas in Dust 2, you can go anywhere. So there's a bunch of doors that lead to nothing that you can't go through, et cetera, et cetera. So it seems like you're being closed. So mm-hmm. It seems like an arena map when really it's a part of something bigger, essentially. Right. Um, but he goes further in saying, um, indoor maps are not really an issue, I suppose, but outdoor maps seem to uh, have seem to be trench-like in order to avoid the dreaded invisible barrier, like you said, of the world. It almost seems like you have to design like you are making a ride at Disneyland with facades and uh, illusions of depth. How do you solve the end of the world boundary problem without cramping the vision of the map, without having people run into barriers that seem out of place? I think you've already covered this, um, but most notably, use like if you're doing an outdoor map environment, the way I see um, how a lot of people approach it is they take advantage of skyboxes to no end, and then they also create enough complexity in their maps so that people feel like they don't have to go in those directions. If you're if you're leading the player. Um, properly in a map you don't have to worry about creating proper boundaries the boundaries should already be there if you're leading them in a sort of linear fashion sure if you're if your game is multi-linearity where you have multiple paths to go down um, to lead to the same area that's fine too but uh, as long as you're not having an open environment a la something like uh, uh, battlegrounds you know how battlegrounds would have these huge open expansive environments and then they would just cut it off with a uh, with like a tree line right um, so long as you're not mapping something like that, mapping something that makes sense, um, I think you can make something very interesting and outdoorsy without, without having that sort of boundary problem. Thomas, do you have anything to say? Um, well, yeah, because I think depending on what, uh, locale you're in will depend on how you cut something off. Like if you're inside a building, it's really easy. You've got like locked doors or doors that you don't have keys to. Uh, or, you know, things that are piled in front of them, like things like that. You know, that's, that's pretty easy to do, and it, you, you can legitimize it pretty well. Um, now let's move out one realm. We're in a city or a small town. You are, your, your map probably isn't big enough to encompass the outer world within that town, so you need a way to stop the player from essentially being able to leave the town. And depending on how, you know, what kind of game you're making, that might be you know, debris, it could be roadblocks, um, it could be, you know, a car accident, like jackknifing in a road, uh, what else can you do? It's just really up to your imagination. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that, because I find that, uh, it's the in indoor areas that I feel boxed in. I mean, all these doors with locked yeah, mechanisms and you can't just kick the freaking thing down. That irks me, but no. You know what? You know what I would suggest if if Jeff is really, really, really interested in doing like the in moving forward with understanding how people properly do um, outdoor level design and and how to evolve into that is I remember when Half Life Two came out and if everybody remembers Half Life One mapping was very indoor. Everybody, nobody would make an outdoor map in Half Life One, and if they did, then you were really stepping out of the boundaries. You were really going for something insanely unique because the whole engine was designed for indoor mapping. 
So what happened was when Half-Life 2 was released, um, there's a lot of mappers out there that said, okay, well, now we can start making outdoor maps because Valve did it. So now we have to do it. So if you can find, Jeff, some early maps, some early, early Half-Life 2 maps, and maybe go through Planet Phillip because he has a good archive on there. Um, find some early Half-Life 2 maps when Half-Life 2 was first released. You get an idea of what people were struggling with at that time and what people were experimenting with. And then contrast that with what's out right now to give an idea of how it evolved over time. So maybe somebody was doing the old Half-Life 1 version where they would cut off an area and they would just put, um, you know, trees as an outlier. Um, but now what are they doing differently? Like, how are they taking advantage of skyboxing? How are they taking advantage of, as Emmanuel and Thomas put it, like atmospheric debris? Um, because those types of things can really make your map pop and, uh, you know, give it a sense of feel. So if you're really that interested in it, I was just going into some research into that, those types of things. So anyway, that's the first little bit of this question. Um, the second little bit is in regards to bots. And uh, he says, do you think bots in Source games should be a requirement going forward? I prefer mapping for Counter-Strike because it has bots. The lack of bots in TF2 is pretty much the main reason why I haven't played it. Um, that is also why I haven't played much of Half-Life 2 Deathmatch, even though it looks fun. Yes, I have friends, but sometimes I can't th get them all together at the same time to play on map, and, uh, and I find it fun to play with one or two friends at, at the same time against the bots. I know there's third-party bots out there, and then he lists a whole bunch, um, and he knows that bots aren't the smartest, or sometimes too smart, but having the option provides that, uh, much more opportunity to play. Maybe I don't feel like playing online. Maybe my friends don't play the same game. Or maybe it's just because I want to practice and learn how to play the game. Um, how to play the game. How the game plays uh, before playing online with friends. Your thoughts. Um, first off, in terms of testing maps with bots, I don't think that's a good idea at all. I think that's actually a really horrible idea because bots are just scripted players. Um, they'll just follow what you tell them to follow. Whereas a real player will really nitpick your map and find all the things wrong with it. Um, one thing that you can do, and we've mentioned it before, post your map on interlopers and there are surely tons of people who will play with you. And you'll make tons of new friends. Um, but playing a game for, I don't know, multiplayer with bots so that you can get introduced to a game, I feel that's what the single player is for. I don't know. Can anybody else... How do you guys feel about bots? Uh... If you absolutely have to, fine, I suppose. Like, you might be able to use them maybe to see how a map plays out in the most simplistic sense. That, okay, if I've got two sides running into each other, where do they meet up and what happens? But in the case of bug fixing and, like, you know, the human dynamic, a bot can't do that. It really can't. Like, you need that one per like, because you're always going to have... And the person that'll play it like the bot, fine. But you'll also have the people that'll jump around and do stupid things. And if your map doesn't account for that, it'll suffer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what about um, Emmanuel? I, I don't. I don't think I could care less about bots. I mean, multiplayer games are meant to be played online, right? Mm -hmm. So that's that. Let's move on. Yeah. I, I really don't think bots have any... I, like, I don't I don't follow the bot scene. I don't really care about the bot scene because uh, bots aren't that interesting to me. I don't think they, they belong, really. Um, like Thomas said, bots are perfect for maybe testing um, where people meet in the middle. That's a really great example. Um, but when you're, when you're playing it outside, then 
uh, I don't know. Why do you why do you think Condition Zero failed? Yeah, that that's a good point. I mean, Condition Zero was horrible with their bots. But do you guys agree with me? Like he he wants to look for something that can um, that can prepare him for playing online. You know, maybe he feels a little bit threatened by how people play online. Um, but I don't think bots are the right way of doing it. I think that's what single player is for. And if you play through single player, and then if, you, if it was really easy for you, play it on hard. And if it was still easy, then, well, maybe that's the developer's fault for making for not making it hard enough. But uh, I really think the best way to hone your skills playing online is play with people. Because if, if you're playing with bots, you'll get used to sort of a gaming scheme that they're used to. Because they're scripted. They'll do the same thing every time. And as soon as you get online, you'll be expecting that. And you're probably worse off for it. You know what I mean? You're probably expecting something, and it's not going to happen, and then you won't know what to do. So, I don't know. As terms of competitiveness, don't play with bots. It'll probably ruin your, your skills. Um, some people play with bots to test their accuracy. And that might be good, because if you get like a bot that's really good at bunny hopping, you can program those bots to like maybe just bunny hop down a down a corridor and you can test your sniping skills that's what a lot of people do in dod and you know counter-strike they're real professionals i guess but uh you don't play with bots to to learn about strategy that's not a good idea so anyway yep you guys got anything else to say about that no that's it i mean it's a multiplayer game so it's mm-hmm. that and uh we have jeff's mod db profile and we'll put it in the show notes um for anybody who wishes to follow his maps. He actually got some pretty good, cool stuff. He got, has a lot of UT 2K4 stuff up there. So, To be honest, if he keeps at it, he'll know more about it than us if he doesn't already. So it's kind of redundant for him to ask us. <laughs> well, I, you do a little bit of development, so... Well, I guess you two do, so mm-hmm. never mind. Mm-hmm. I've done a few... Uh, I've done a little mapping, but not as much as, um, the, as most people. But anyway, um, that is the end of the show. Um, like I said, short, only an hour and seven minutes, maybe less, maybe just an hour. But only an hour? Wow. That's... But that was a good show. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. it had everything. Sure. It had okay. travel and half-life and, and pornography. And porn. Angry and happy. Yeah. Yeah. Very good mix this week. Yep. <laughs> anyway, sure. so I'd like to thank Thomas. Thank you, Thomas, for coming on the show as usual. Yes, Katra Van Diesner. <laughs> and uh, Emmanuel, we're going to have you on more often, Emmanuel, I think. Okay. You're going to be a well, what's with? Well, why is the number 99 significant, Thomas? Katra Van Diesner? Yes. Hmm, I might have to... That might be the new question for the listeners, is why do I keep saying that? <laughs> I've noticed I, you have by said the way, it. I, I'm, not inter- I'm not instigating you, because I know you want me to ask it, so... <laughs> Well, it's it's French, so and he's a Canadian. That, that would explain part of it. But did we ever get an answer as to why uh, we number the yes the podcast? What we do? Yeah. What is it? It's um, the number of hours in a week. And we started the first podcast was the number of hours in a year. It was Philip's idea, and I've just been roll, running with it. So wait, what well, now? We're doing the number of hour, of hours in a what? We we increment every episode by the number of hours in a week. So technically. Um, if you subtract the current podcast number with the first podcast number, you get how many hours podcast 17 has been in inception. So how long it's been alive for. Okay. So I'll accept that. It's kind of cool. 
that kind of goes with the whole like underground podcast 17 uh you know citizens broadcasting for truth type thing we didn't want to just do right. normal episode numbers why did philip leave again uh he just had too much stuff on his plate so maybe uh, we we try to bring him back every month though, and he enjoys that. I thought he was fat. He can't handle too much on his plate. <laughs> oh, you're funny with the literal translations and everything. Well, what do you expect from me? <laughs> anyway, thank you, Emmanuel, for coming on the show. Um, like I said, we're gonna have you on more often. I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would like to be here more often. Don't forget, guys, contest, contest, contest. You can win yourself a version of Half-Life 2. If you already have it, whatever. You can win it again. Who cares, right? You can throw it out or sell it to a hobo. Um, but remember, it's the uh, Photoshop My Vegas Photos. And we'll put My Vegas Photos, my link, again, of, to My Vegas Photos in the show notes. Um, and you can just pick apart any one. There's a slew of them there. If you have some video editing skills, you can even video edit the video that's there. It's just a video of the Bellagio Fountains. But... Uh, if you want, you can do that too. Whatever. Um, just play around with it. I'm not going to hate you. I'm not going to hunt you down for what you do. Um, so, whatever. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, my girlfriend might. Uh, no, she's, she won't. No, she doesn't care either. Well, she, she doesn't care because she hasn't seen the winner yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, take those photos. Do whatever you want with them. And uh, if... If we find yours the funniest, we'll just pick it based on whatever. And it's not just going to be me. It'll be uh, Emmanuel and uh, Thomas as well. We'll get to pick, so it won't be one-sided. And, uh, yeah, we can, we'll pick the winner in two weeks. So that's your deadline, two weeks from now. So we'll announce it, not this, not this coming podcast, but the podcast after that. So. Sounds like a plan. Yep. So anyway, uh, that is the end of the show. Thank you for tuning in, and check out uh, Podcast 17. We'll talk to you next week. 